morning, everyone. So I remember once um, I was at a work party. So it was like a work-related do. And I was meeting a friend of a friend for the first time. And we were having one of those sort of shouted conversations over this blaring music. And we were right in the center of like the dance floor. And um, he, I was asking about his life. And he was telling me about... Um, how he went to Catholic boarding school and he was saying all this stuff and at the end of it he said, but all of that God stuff is BS anyway, right? To which I shouted, uh, well, I'm a Christian actually. <laughs> oh. Uh, and at this point I could see in his eyes he was praying, but it was more like, oh God, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, so, you know, let's be honest. Um, can we go to the next one? Oh, I got it here. Does it work? Ah, oh, nice. Um, yeah, so let's be honest. Like these, When we talk about religion and faith with other people, it can be the worst. <laughs> uh, I've been there. I've been in all sorts of awkward and sensitive and combative conversations like this, and they can be terrible, but they can also be just like the best thing ever, can't they? And one of my favorite feelings in the world is where you're in, you know, just kind of an everyday conversation and suddenly it just gets kind of electrified by just something holy. And you can feel amongst you, like if it's two of you, then you kind of lock into the conversation and it just turns into something else altogether. And for me, I feel this kind of energy that starts surging through me and um, I'll start to sort of maybe even like shake and tremble a bit, but in a good way. And, y- and sometimes the other person will feel the same thing. And it's like the, the room, the atmosphere is actually vibrating uh, with something, you know, powerful and awesome. And it's just the best. I love this. Um, and so it's these kinds of conversations that are, I think, you know, th- they're about the things that matter. And they, they really change people's lives. And good conversations like this, about God things are part of what makes life worth living. Um, So as we're thinking together about being God's people in the world, uh, let's think about how we can have more conversations like this. So to start, I want to look at Ephesians 4. And it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And so what I notice in here is, you know, we all know that we have been given different gifts from God. And one of the gifts we're given to some people is to be evangelists. And I think this kind of says to us that some people are given the gift of evangelism and the rest of us, we just do our best to learn. And um, so we can relax. Like we're, we're not all supposed to be like expert evangelists or uh, apologists, you know, out in out in the public debating like the intellectual reasonability of Christianity. Um, but even if we aren't all evangelists like Billy Graham, we all still find ourselves in that position sometimes where um, shock horror. Someone actually asks us directly, uh, "So, what do you believe? You know, what does it mean to be a Christian?" And these moments are so rare and precious to us that it's almost like like a kind of a a bird has just kind of landed on our outstretched hand and 
for the, for the same reason that it's so special and lovely, is also the same reason that it can often go wrong because we kind of, uh, we kind of panic a bit, we get scared and we fumble our words. And um, th- th- this one was for you, Michael. Um, so we, you know, we get scared, we fumble our words, maybe we become a bit self-conscious and then, and then the conversation becomes all about us somehow. Um, or other times our instinct is to actually go, oh my goodness, this is uh, so, so precious. I got to keep it, and you, you know, close your hands over anything. I'm never letting go of this bird, and we all know what kind of a mess that would make. Um, so, as we think together about what it means to be God's people in the world, um, let's think about how we can have better conversations uh, about our faith. Um, and to do this, I've just collected together loads of thoughts, things I've learned along the way, things I've heard from other people that just have really, really helped me. So. Um, Point number one. Anyone recognize this guy? Who here is familiar with the 90s TV chat show? No, TV show uh, catchphrase. Can anyone remember what the presenter uh, used to say to the contestants? Yes, say what you see. Yes. Well, that's our job. Say what we see. We're called to be witnesses. Just like someone who's been at like the scene of an event uh, or like a reporter, we're just supposed to say what we see. We're supposed to testify to our experience. Um, and so there's a couple of things about this uh, before we get onto that. First of all, I want to say maybe you, know, maybe you don't realize it, but uh, you are a completely unique person with a completely unique uh, experience of God. And that matters. Uh, it matters that you have uh, a unique point of view to share. And there's a story and a testimony and an experience there that is interesting and worth listening to. So that's the first thing it's n- important to know and to, to recognize within yourself. You're, you are worth listening to. You've got something worth sharing. Secondly, say what you see. Uh, have you ever found yourself in a conversation where uh, you're kind of, the, the moment you're, you're answering a question, even as the words are coming out of your mouth, you're thinking, I don't believe what I'm saying. Isn't that just the worst feeling ever? You think, you, you, you just, oh, I hate that feeling. Um, <laughs> I think this, tends, this feeling tends to happen to us when uh, we're sharing what we think should be true, what we think should be the correct answer, or we're sharing what we, we, we think we're supposed to say in response to a question, rather than actually sharing what we know for ourselves. Um, and so in these situations, I think we should just, don't be afraid just to say, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure about that. I think sharing our uncertainty at times can be far more powerful and relatable than the run-of-the-mill kind of textbook answer that people are expecting. So contrary to what people say, like on the street, (laughs) we've got to smoke what we're selling. (laughs) We have to to be sharing from our experience, sharing from the heart, sharing from the things that we know. So that's the first one. Say what you see. Say what you see. So if our job is just to, to say what we see and to say what we know is true, 
Uh, it also means we can, we can give up on anything that isn't about uh, the truth. So we can give up on trying to coerce people and control them or to try and manage or manipulate them into coming onto God's side. Um, I think it's really important that we know the, the value and dignity that Jesus places on individual human agency is such that he took it to his death. This is meekness. You know, he said, the meek shall inherit the earth. He didn't say the forceful. And this is because um, love honors choice. Um, sorry, this is a wrong slide. Um, what love honors choice looks like in conversation is a desire to seek out the other person's will. We speak from the heart to the heart. This means that we're learning to recognize when um, we're responding to a genuine curiosity or uh, compared to when it's actually just like a debate-style question that's designed to trick us or trap us. Um, and a really good example of Jesus doing this is when he's in front of Pontius Pilate. Uh, so we, we're looking at John 18, and it says, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? So this man has the power to decide Jesus' fate. And how does Jesus respond? He says, he responds with a question. Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? So he doesn't rush to defend himself and to prove himself as king of the Jews. Jesus is trying to search out Pilate's true motivations in the question. He's trying to see him as he is, not as he expects him to be. So that was number two. Love honors choice. Number three. Oh, do not label. So the other thing that Jesus could have done in this interaction with Pilate is kind of put him in a box and make lots of assumptions about who he is and uh, how Pilate's going to react and what he thinks. Um, but actually, when Jesus says do not judge in Matthew 7, verse 1, um, I've been told that actually a more uh, effective modern translation would be do not label. And I think, I think when we hear that do not judge, I think we all realize really that actually it's kind of impossible not to judge. We judge people way before we're even conscious of it. It just happens so early, doesn't it? Um, and our minds make up those conclusions so early that we don't really have control over it. But what we can do is we can refuse to label people. We can refuse to, to see them and treat them as just another insert blank here. Just another racist. Just another straight white male. Just another atheist. Just another fundamentalist. Just another hipster. All these labels, they enable us to just dismiss people because they're part of some group in our minds. Just another uh, person who's in my club, just another person who's out of my club. 
When we put people in boxing groups, we open the door to contempt, and then we become the ones in danger of closed-mindedness and self-righteousness. And in the process, when we're doing that, we're actually closing the door to all the people in our lives who might be humble enough to actually be asking us genuine questions about our faith. But instead, when we treat people as individuals loved by God, rather than as a member of a group, we open so many doors to conversations that are rich um, with life, with people who who need it, who are hungry for those conversations with us, who are humble enough to ask us questions. And in this way, we should try to see people as they really are, not as we're expecting them to be. So number four, seasoned with grace. It says in Colossians 4, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So do that. Uh, five, they are made to be beautiful. In his book, The Prodigal Evangelical, Gerard Kelly says, if you don't know you were made to be beautiful, your ugly behavior won't surprise you at all. I found that most people don't need to be convinced of their sin. They're already suffering it. They need to be told They were made to be beautiful. They are God's masterpieces, made to be glorious. They're made for more, and that's why their, you know, sinning, uh, anti-life-giving ways are unfulfilling to them. So that's number four. No, it's not. It's number five. Sorry. Uh, Number six, he goes by many names. Sometimes in the church world, we have this sort of desire to just place the Christian label on everything in order to make it legitimate. It's like, uh, it's like these mints. These are testaments. And they have, they have Bible verses written around them, so if people need a mint from you, you, you give them a testament. No. That just, No. The truth is that all goodness and all beauty and all love comes from God. Whether it's got the Christian label or not. And in in the same way, it is possible to know all the right words for God and all the right names for God and not actually know him very deeply. The opposite is also true. We can... We can know the way of Jesus without really knowing his name. And I think this is what Jesus partly means when he says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. My sheep know my voice, he says. And so for this reason, uh, it's really good when we're having our conversations to look beyond our own names for God and listen for the truth behind other people's names that they're giving. Surely there are followers of Jesus all across the world from all types of backgrounds who know the shepherd's voice and walk the shepherd's way but don't necessarily use our names for him. Number seven, 
He's already there. So it turns out that God is really heavy. And if you try and carry God everywhere you go, you're going to do your back in. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes people talk about mission and evangelism, like we've got this backpack and we're, we've got stuff God inside. And that's quite tricky because God's can't go in a backpack. And then you put your backpack on and you walk to the places where there is no God yet. It's like they're sort of in the past or something. And then you try and give them out. Um, I mean, goodness knows what happens if you forget to pack him in <laughs> or if you, you can't fit him in. Um, and I think this, this just way of thinking is too small. It doesn't, it doesn't work. It's too self-centered. It's all about us taking God to them. Um, but God is everywhere. We know this. We just need the eyes to see him. So in our conversations, um, look for God in the lives and the faces of the people you meet. Enjoy him there and celebrate him and point him out. I was recently on a plane with Hannah coming back from holiday and um, it was delayed and everyone was tired and I just really didn't want to talk to anyone. It was a headphones in kind of moment. And, but I could see that the man next to me, he just had this vibe about him like he wanted to talk. And I was, you know, it took me a while, but I was like, okay, I'll open or whatever. So first it was about the biscuits that we ordered. And next it was about his insurance job. And um, then it was about how actually when you're looking after people in crisis, it's actually quite a sacred task. And then it was about uh, how he doesn't believe in God, but when he's on holiday, he sits in churches to find peace. And then it was about how he'd been hurt by church leaders in the past. And after that, it was about funeral he'd been to recently, where the message about going to a spiritual home really struck him. And then I asked him, do you feel like you have a spiritual home ready for you when you die? And all the while, the lady in front of me had taken her headphones out and periodically looked back through the... (laughs) through the chair, as if, as if she was desperate to be involved in the conversation. Um, and then we said goodbye, and that was, that was it. It was great. And we spoke for the whole journey, basically. And all I did in that conversation was just point out to him where God was in his life already. Number eight. Why so serious? When talking about the wonderful things of God, and things that matter to us, the awesome big things in life, it can sometimes get really, really serious. And we can take ourselves and others too seriously. And if we do this too much, we can become like, just really intense and um, scary to be around, basically. Uh, and a simple, a simple remedy for this is to look for God in the fun things in life. Um, it's, maybe it's a bit strange to say, but oh yeah, I had a really hilarious uh, image of this. Why so serious? Some of you will get that. Um, Sometimes we can find it easier to find God in our difficulty. We see where he is with us in our difficult times. Um, And then we can kind of ignore him in in the good times, in joy, in in laughter, and silliness, and being stupid, and having fun. Um, But the joy of the Lord is your strength. And there are a few better ways, I think, to connect with people than through humor. 
being able to enjoy the fun things in life and the hilarious things and the silly things with other people is such a powerful testimony, just to do that with them. Um, so that's number eight. Why so serious? And number nine, finally, forget all of these rules. <laughs> Most of you will anyway. Uh, you won't need my help with that. <laughs> but under the right circumstances, um, with like, really loving insight, you can ignore all of these things, and it will be exactly what God and Holy Spirit is leading you to do in that situation. Um, so don't be afraid just to follow the Spirit. So there we go. Now I've got some questions for us to discuss together. Um, are there people in my life who are spiritually hungry? I'm, I'm never really sure about whether to word this with... Do you know what I'm saying? I could have put other people in your life. Anyway, you can make sense of it. Uh, showing openness and desire to know more. Or how can I be more available and ready for life-giving conversations? Um, just chat to each other. See what comes up. I also was wondering um, if you can think of a, a time when you've had a, a terrible but hilarious conversation with someone. Like I've shared a couple that might be worth sharing with each other. Uh, so I quickly pray, and then we'll, we could break into groups. Thank you, Lord, uh, that you are a God of joy. Thank you that you, you are there with us when we connect with others. Uh, would you bless our conversations now? In Jesus' name, amen. There we go.